today I'm going to be joined by Mr. Chip uh, Nightingale, good friend, and uh, it's amazing that uh, tonight he's he's he just chose to be with us uh, amidst his very busy schedule. Uh, Chip, thank you so much for being here with us. How have you been? We are doing good. It has been a crazy season, especially coming to this end of this year. And um, just excited about being with you guys today. But ladies and gentlemen, today we are looking at the wonderful counselor as some of the titles that uh, we know about Christ, especially when it comes to this season of Christmas. And uh, our topic today is trying to think through a couple of uh, titles that we could use. And the best that could describe our discussion today is the Bible versus logic. Bible versus logic. And of course, with the whole Christmas fever, if I can put it that way, with a statement and attitude of, I want more, I want more. And you're going to see how all of these things uh, tie together tonight. I want more. The reason I chose this particular title is because I think I might be wrong, but this is me thinking that this is the cause of humans' uh, problems, the desire for more, the desire for more. And how does all of this tie into wonderful counselor, mighty God, Prince of Peace? Think about it. What are some of the things that keep you awake uh, sometimes? And I think that's the peace that we're talking about. Uh, Someone else, Christ has mentioned and said that uh, my peace I give to you. And he says, I don't give you peace, not exactly, the same words I'm paraphrasing, but the peace he gives, not as the world gives, not as the world gives. Today, we are going to look at the names, titles by which Christ is known. We shall then tie all of these things in with the whole theme of Christmas and uh, the attitude that people have right now of wanting more. People are looking out for Christmas discounts. Why? Because we want more and more. Let me encourage you, ladies and gentlemen, to go ahead and invite your friends. Let them know that we are live for Cabin Devos tonight. Let them know that we're live. Just go ahead and tap that button with the arrow pointing outwards and share with friends and family. Let them know that we're live as we begin our Cabin Devos uh, tonight. Thank you so much for being here. Really, really excited about tonight and looking forward. Thank you. Uh, let me see a couple of names here. McLean, Jenny, thank you. And my good friend Bosco is also here with us. Brenda, good to see you. Ahomoza, glad that you're here. And Grace, the one and only Grace, is also here with us tonight. Thank you guys for coming. After we've talked about these things, um, one of the things I'm really looking forward to is Chip uh, dividing God's word with us in sharing that from scripture as we listen to what are some of the things that uh, the scriptures talk about? Um, it's interesting that the scriptures are full of wisdom um, from God that created this world and all that is in it. Let's start with Proverbs chapter 2 from verse 1. Let me read this for you. I think it will bless your heart. Uh, Proverbs chapter 2. I mean, uh, the whole theme tonight is him being the wonderful counselor. But listen to what Proverbs uh, chapter 2, verse 1 to 15 say. If you have your Bibles, please go ahead and open as we read together. I think it's a beautiful, beautiful passage. Verse 1 says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments within you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, 
Then you'll understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He's a shield to those who walk in integrity. And then verse 8, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech who forsake the paths of righteousness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. It's interesting. Um, one of the verses that really, really, really catches my attention and I think most of us can identify with, I think is verse 11, when he says, discretion will watch over you, understanding will guard you. And it reminds me of those moments when you're watching a movie and uh, an announcement just pops up on the screen and says, viewers, discretion is advised, meaning be careful what you're about to watch. At that point, you have a choice to turn off the movie or to continue watching, but at least you know what you're getting into and the wise person will turn it off. He says, viewer's discretion is advised. And I think it's it's interesting that he says, discretion will watch over you. That moment in time where you must make a choice to do what your heart is telling you to do or what God's word is telling you to do. But a quick question here for Mr. Chip. Chip, it's interesting that it's true, like we've seen the scriptures, yes, are full of wisdom, but... Even Christians, um, not just talking about non-Christians, but not most people would agree that the scriptures are full of wisdom. And I don't know, there are instances where the Bible just does not make sense. And the classic example I gave a good friend of mine uh, today as we were discussing over this is the example of love your enemies. It, It just does not make logical sense. I mean... Naturally, we fight our enemies. And I said, unless fighting enemies is a sign of love, at this point, these two things don't logically add up. But before we dive into that, what does a title, Wonderful Counselor, actually mean? Maybe that would be a very good place for us to start, Mr. Chip. Did you find any answers to that title? Yeah, yeah I think this was uh, an interesting question that you bring in light of um, the topic that we are going through today. And um, when Isaiah writes about the wonderful counselor, he was spurring Israel to remember the Messiah was indeed coming to establish his kingdom. And the reason that uh, this was important at that season is because they're they're going through this Um, tremendous amount of distress. And I think it's very relevant to the things that we're going through today as well. Wonderful. It means incomprehensible. Um, In other words, it's impossible to comprehend. The wonderfulness of who Christ is, is so far greater than what we can comprehend that I think for us, it's hard for us to grasp, but he is that amazing. He is that wonderful. And then that word counselor um, in ancient Israel, this is really important, I think, for us in light today, is that a counselor was portrayed as a wise king such as, for example, Solomon. He gave guidance to his people. So when you think about wonderful 
counselor, you're thinking about this idea of someone who is his who is uh, is so hard to comprehend, but at the same time, um, even though we can't imagine it, he still wants to lead us. And it says, uh, and I have here in my notes, he gave guidance to his people and he still gives us guidance today. He gives it through his word. He gives it through prayer. Wonderful counselor for us today means we can trust him to listen to our problems and guide us in the right direction. I think that's the thing we wrestle with more than anything else. And you, you say incomprehensible. Um, and of course, to break it down, I do have a friend of mine who wrote a review about cabin devils and said that sometimes we use terminologies of vocabulary that is difficult mm. to understand. But let's try and break it down. Incomprehensible is you cannot fully understand, isn't it? Yeah, it's impossible to understand is what that means. It's impossible to completely understand the significance and the magnitude of how great God is. Of course, if we did, then he would cease to be God. And and so it's interesting that that is exactly our struggles uh, in the sense that some things he says are difficult to fully comprehend. I mean, you want to know if I take step number one, step number two, what will step number three be? But I think sometimes the scriptures only give us step one and two. And of course, that is a metaphor. We've read through Proverbs chapter two, at least the first 15 verses, and the wisdom from God's word is definitely on another level. Why? Because you could write a maybe a journal or a set of instructions on how to operate a particular machine, but this experience goes and spans thousands and thousands of years. This wisdom has been tested by time. And, and to the skeptics here, could you share with us a story maybe where you are glad you followed biblical counsel instead of what pure or good logic would advise you to do. And by pure and good logic, I mean what a normal, a normal human being would do naturally. Has that ever happened to you where you just simply chose to say, you know what, I'll simply follow the instructions and wisdom from God's word in as much as logically this is something would be right to do or any other human being would do. Do you have any examples like that, Chip? Yeah, I would say I'm going actually going through something very similar to that right now in light mm -hmm. of um, really wanting for me, wanting to know uh, what the next steps are. Uh, I I'm in a position within my role um, in and there's so much uncertainty that's still out there. And there, there's times when I want, um, because of who I am and the fact that I want to lead and I want to, I, I want to be considered as someone who's successful and I want to be considered as someone who's doing things right. That's not just sitting back and waiting and moving forward. And ultimately I, I just struggle with, uh, um, being patient, but, um, just recently, the Lord has just been challenging my heart um, through his word, through the teaching of his word, that um, in this idea of contentment, which we're going to talk about in a little bit, uh, being okay with where I am right now and trusting that God is using where I am right now to help me to grow um, in my relationship with him to prepare me for whatever it is he has for me, not for whatever it is I desire for me. And I would say it's it has been a huge struggle, but at the same time, I 
I am feeling more connected to the Lord through it than I would have if I had done it the way I normally do it. And usually the way I normally would do it is just either find a way to manipulate my way to um, to to the direction I want to go or or um, move ahead and force people to make decisions. And and uh, and God this time through his word is saying, do you trust the leaders I have placed in your life? And are you just going to be patient and content to follow them um, because I know what's best for you? And it is it's been taxing. It's been trying. But at the same time, it is humbling me in a way that uh, I, I believe I needed right now. You did touch a nerve right there, uh, Chip, when you talked about, I mean, because most times our struggles are in understanding uh, human beings, understanding, you talked about leadership, uh, giving a classic example here in Uganda, where the Ministry of Education decides we're not opening schools until January. And there are thousands of teachers who are waiting onto that decision. And sometimes it's difficult to just wait on leadership and decision. It sounds like they're making decisions which are in a way selfish, if you could put it that way. And it's it's just difficult to see all of that in light of this is what God is doing versus this is what another human being is doing. And I think that's where the grinding really, really takes place. And that's, I'm hoping that uh, we can be able to get to the bottom of this, but at least we are beginning to identify where some of these things are difficult. And I don't know if any of you guys um, identify with this. And if you have any questions you'd like to ask Chip, please go ahead and post them in the chat. Uh, Chip will be able to answer them. Here's my third question. Um, and, and just to maybe just build on it uh, for context's sake, um, I, I did post this out to friends today and, and I mentioned something and I said that our hearts grind when we have to make a choice between obedience to the truth that we know and the reality of what happens at that time, given a case in point. And, and in such cases, the, there's a price to be paid. and. Maybe the first question is, do you think our problem as humans is the desire for more? You did talk about wanting to be perceived as successful. And and Chip, I know, at least for little that I know about you, even just knowing about your previous ministry as a pastor, that was, well, that was extremely successful. With your ministry, with uh, camp, I, I hope I get it properly. Is it camp point or point camp? I'm getting the, the word. Yeah, camp, <laughs> camp beach point. Camp, camp beach point. I, don't, I didn't want to misplace the words. That, that, that is successful as well. I think I saw pictures of you doing a couple of structures, uh, putting them on the property and, and with the scholarships you are doing with those, with those young people and change. That is successful in one way or another. And sometimes I want to think, at least that has happened to me. We, we stop understanding we stop understanding that uh, God is doing something when we lift our heads and begin to compare um, with other people but that whole statement of I want more I want more and yes I'm coming to the real question why is it so hard to stop fighting the truth of God's word and I mean God says something but we are presented with a better deal 
in which we think we can have more. Let me give an example from the scriptures in Genesis chapter 3. He said, of course, the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw the tree was good for food and it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired, and here is something I highlighted, to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate and also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. And I want to believe these things are tied together. The desire for more, wanting to be wise, thinking that we are wise in the way we do things, and think about the woman in the Garden of Eden. There are types of fruit that can be enjoyed, several other alternatives. But there's this just one fruit that she wanted. There's just this thing that, that, that you want to enjoy. And the promise was you can have more. That's what the enemy says. You will be wise. You will be better. Chip, am I, am I seeing ghosts or <laughs> do you see what I see from the scriptures? Are these things tied together? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the thing that really stood out to me the most as I think about what you are saying comes from God's word again. And Paul gives it to us in Galatians 5. He says, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. We won't even have this passion for it. But I, I believe the the issue, in, even in the moment in which uh, Eve is in, uh, in at the face of this serpent, um, you know, God's not with them at that moment. And and for whatever reason, they, they'd been kind of wandering out and this serpent is there and he takes advantage. He, he not only knows about um, the quietness of what's taking place in that moment, he's there at the right place at the right time. And he's trying to do everything to gratify our fleshly desires, not the desires of the Lord. And multiple times through life, we are constantly struggling with with this passion for what we want in regard in and disregarding what maybe God wants. And I think that's what I was going through, even with sharing about, um, uh, you know, here in the last couple of weeks, just being content, being okay with who God and what he, God is doing in me today. And uh, so when you look at that rest of that verse, it says, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the, of the flesh. Verse 17, it says, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. So it's, it's this tug of war that keeps taking place. And Paul's just saying that tug of war is going to happen. And then he says, and the desires of the spirit are against the, pl- the flesh, for these are opposed to each other. So we see the things that are in this world. And God says there's going to be constant turmoil until, until we come back to the place where the wonderful counselor is coming again. And we know he's coming again. That's, what's, that's what should give us hope and encouragement. That we're, There's going to be a moment where we're not going to have this battle anymore. But as long as we are here, there's this battle here. And the reason that he allows this battle to be here right now is because he wants us to choose him. Um, and... You know, I've been a pastor for eight years, been in ministry for almost 20 years now. And I would love to say that I have this figured out. 
But if I had it figured out, I wouldn't have been sitting in church on Sunday going, oh my goodness, I am struggling in sin right now because I am not content in what God has for me right now. I want what I want. And at that moment, you begin to realize that even though I should know these things, that the spirit and the flesh are in constant turmoil against each other. And I need to do a better job of spending time in God's word um, and spending time in prayer and asking him to protect me from myself, from my flesh, the things that I want, the things that oppose me from the things that God really wants me to have. Someone has mentioned before, Chip, and by thank you so much for bringing up Galatians. Um, but but a commentator noted once when he talked about the fact that the the counsel in Galatians five sixteen is to walk by the Spirit, not to run. Mm. And of course, the other instances where the word "run" is used, talking about running the rest of life, um, and, and so it's it's I think we need to come to terms with the fact that we need to take one step at a time. Um, like you said, you wish you could say you figured it out, but I think every day presents a new challenge. I mean, the last two years, the challenges have been, <laughs> I don't think the world has ever seen, but we need to take one step at a time, one step at a time. And I think may this be an encouragement uh, to some of us here who might be weary or tired um, I did receive an email, I think, from one of the podcasts where the gentleman was mentioning how sometimes life or how the work that we do feels like a treadmill. You're hoping that someday that belt will stop moving. but it, And you're thinking, if I get this one more thing done, maybe I'll be much better. And, and that time never comes. And sometimes our Christian work feels that way. It feels like we are constantly facing one challenge and another and another. But be encouraged. Why? Because looking back, I think even just going back one year or two ago, we must be better than we were two years ago. At least every challenge causes us to grow and grow into better and better Christians. Thank you guys for being here. Once again, allow me to welcome Mr. Chip Nightingale to just go ahead and share with us from God's Word. Chip, you're welcome. Well, one of the things that has been uh, a true challenge to me, like I shared with in, in one of those questions, is this idea of contentment and really trusting in light of what we what the title of this is and really what the title of our Lord is, Wonderful Counselor, and trusting that He truly is, that God truly is that wonderful counselor for me. And I think in this light of... Um, what we're going through with COVID just last couple of years. And one of the things that I think discourages us all the time is that we, we keep coming back to it. Um, and the reason why I think it's a discouragement is because it feels like at times that there is no end in sight. Um, like David just said, if they've pushed school back a little bit and teachers need to get back to work, really kids need to get back to school. Um, but where is the end of all of this? And I think because of that, it has stirred within us this idea of, of feeling like um, we don't understand what God is doing. 
you know, why would he make these things happen? And, and why is he putting us in this position where, where there's just so much uncertainty? And I've asked myself that question a lot recently. And one of the things that really began to stir within my heart, um, and I got this great opportunity to share at a church this week, and uh, the Lord brought it to my heart um, to talk about Philippians, um, and especially chapter one. And in here in America, it's uh, Thanksgiving seasons. It's uh, it's we're getting close to the Christmas season, as we all are. And the thing that stirs within my heart right now during these seasons is what am I thankful for? Um, even in light of the the tragic environment we are in because of COVID, what am I thankful for today? And immediately the Lord laid it on my heart that. Paul was thankful in all circumstances. In Philippians uh, 4, 11, 13, he says this, not that I am speaking of being in need. This is Paul. He's saying these things. For I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Now think about this for a moment. Paul, as he's writing this book to the church of Philippi, he's in prison and he says, not that I am speaking of being in need. And we think of this COVID and we think of this tragic situation we feel like we're in. And, and, I, and it does not really compare to what he's going through at this moment. And he says, for I have learned in the situation of being in jail right now, that in whatever situation I am to be content which means that even in light of the things that are happening in this world, especially COVID, that even though things aren't happening the way it normally does, that I need to be content in the situation that God has for me right now. And he also says, I know how to be brought low. And I think that's part of the, the feelings that we're going through. And then Paul says, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty from having all my needs met and hunger, abundance and need. And then this is one of these verses that, uh, especially if you know the Lord, that most of us know. And he says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Most of the time we just talk about that verse that I can do all things through through him who strengthens me. But there, the verses that lead into it describe what Paul is going through and that he is content in the circumstance. And then he says, and I can do all things through him who strengthens me. That I'm in the lowest place I could possibly be right now, but I'm leaning on God. I think for us right now, in light of the um, of COVID, one of the things that have stirred within my heart is realizing that what God is doing is very much today, like He did when uh, what we see throughout Scripture, and when the when there's disobedience, God allows things to happen, and we know that at the end of life, it, when 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 our wonderful Counselor comes back. And he takes us home for eternity that there is going to be plagues. There is going to be catastrophe. There's things that are going to happen that we will never experience. But right now in this moment, God has given us an opportunity to be reminded of, 
of the fact that he is in control and that maybe he's allowed these things to happen for his greater good. And I've said this on this um, broadcast before, just I really believe that this situation we are in today is the opportunity God has given us to encourage those who feel discouraged, who to encourage those who are not content in the situation they are in, because we as followers of Christ are going to be content in it, knowing that God's perfect plan is still happening. It's hard, without a doubt. What's interesting about Paul is that it really at the beginning of um, Philippians uh, in chapter one, he starts it off. He, he, he talks uh, specifically to some, some specific people within the church, verse one and two, but in verse three of chapter one, he says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. What Paul says to them is that in the circumstance that you're in, be content and continue to proclaim the gospel. Give thanks. He goes, I give thanks to you in my prayers all the time because you are a partner in the gospel with me basically defining that this is the most important thing. In verse six, he says, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So he's saying, he's saying to us, hey, I'm praying for you. And we as Christians should be praying for um, our brothers and sisters in Christ. He says, and I am praying for you that the gospel will, will continue to go out. That even though I'm in prison, that you will partner with me so more people will come to a saving knowledge of you. Verse 7 of chapter 1, it says, It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace. Meaning you knew why you invited Jesus into your life. Because you, we all needed the same grace. And then he says, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel. We are to be partakers together in the gospel in this time, in this moment. Yes, even though Paul is talking to the specific time that's taking place there, I believe God's word is as relevant today as it was then. And what he is telling us in this moment, what God is using Paul to tell us in this moment, is that we need to stay firm to the gospel even when we are not Content. Verse 10, he says, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. What I believe that is being said here is that we need to set aside selfish ambition and rivalry. We need to we need to come together. And the reason Paul is actually talking about these things in this moment is because the church of Philippi is going to get scolded a little bit in chapters three and four because 
of the fact that there's people within the church who are doing things for their themselves instead of doing things for God. And he's giving them this warning. And I think he's giving us this warning too. He's giving us warning to not be consumed with the things of our flesh, but be consumed with the things of God. I love First uh, Timothy 6, 6 through 11. It says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Listen to what that says there. But godliness with contentment is great gain. It doesn't say godliness with wanting your own desire is, is going to bring you great gain. It says godliness with contentment. That's the thing that was stirring within my heart. Um, this this last week, that I need to trust that God knows what's best, that the right leaders are the right leaders in my life right now. And I just need to be patient. I need to be content. And through that contentment will come great gain. Now, does that mean I'm going to become the leader that I my flesh desires? No, it just means that I'm going to become more aligned with what God desires within me. Verse 7 of First Timothy 6, it says, For we brought nothing into the world. Remember this. When we came into the world, we were naked. We had nothing. And we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. This is what is is coming from first timothy here verse eight but if we have food and clothing with these we'll be content um just like david talked about earlier in the in the podcast we're we have all of these sales and things that are happening to draw us in to buy more things for our fleshly desires but really what do we need we all we need is food and clothing with these we can be content in verse 9, it says, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation. Now, I think we can all uh, agree to this, is that the more that we have, the more that we seem to want. And that's what that looks like. He says, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation. Well, maybe there's someone on here, or maybe many of you are on here, and you're saying, well, I'm not rich at all. Um, but... Let me tell you something. If you have more than food and clothing, in God's eyes, you have a lot. And there's many places within this world where you have riches compared to others. And then he says, verse 9, But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Uh, isn't it isn't it so true that the the more that we have, let's say we borrow a bunch of money so that we can have a car, and we borrow money so that we can have a house, but then all of a sudden we lose our job. What does that do? It plunges people into ruin and destruction because because all of a sudden now we can't provide for those things. Verse ten. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. Really boils down to the questions we were talking about at the very beginning. 
What is those things in our lives that draw us away from God, that discourage us from wanting to have a relationship with God? It's really the desire to have the things within this world instead of a desire to have the things of God. And based off of this passage, the things that we should really care about is that God is going to take care of our needs. But man, that, 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 that's not easy for us to do. Hebrews 13, 5, it says this, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he says, said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So ultimately, I think the question that we have to ask ourselves in light of this topic that we are dealing with right now is, do we really trust that God has our best interest in mind? 1 Timothy 6, 11, it says this, but as for you, O man of God, flee, listen to this, Flee from these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. These are the things we're to pursue, not the things of our flesh. And the things of our flesh, they came from, they come from uh, this passage we saw in Galatians, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery enmity, strife, jealousy. Uh, Now, this word jealousy, man, this is what causes us, I think, more than anything else, not to be content. And the reason I believe that is because when I struggle with contentment is because I see something else that someone else has. And it may not even be an object. It may just be the power that they have or the power I perceive they have. And I go, man, I wish, I wish I had that person's job. I wish I was the one that was running um, what they are running. I could do that better than them. And God is saying, no, 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 no. That's not what he desires of us. What he desires of us is per- to pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. Something I realized this week Um, As I kind of come to a close here, something I realized on Sunday as I was sitting in church, the Holy Spirit is working on my heart, and I'm not even positive that the message was on contentment. But for whatever reason, the Lord was laying it on my heart on the fact that I wasn't being content. And I'm sitting there, I'm listening, and then we were getting ready for communion. And the cup and the bread are, are right there in my hand. And he says, I want you to prepare your heart to receive the cup and the bread. And I begin to pray. And God says to me, he goes, you can't take that right now. I went, what? You know, I don't know if you've ever had a conversation with God, but it was like, what? What do you mean I can't? He goes, because you are struggling with the sin of contentment. You want more than I'm ready to give you. You're not thinking about my heart. You're thinking about your heart. And when you're not thinking about what I desire for you, you're walking in sin. Sunday was a very convicting day for me. 
And I have forgotten at times the grace that God has given me. He takes care of my needs. Uh, This last week, we have gone through a lot of crazy stuff. Our dishwasher broke. Uh, My wife, just just this morning, she was working uh, in housekeeping and the diamond in her ring fell out. We just found out that my daughter is going to have to have oral surgery and she's going to have to have braces. And and then on top of that and on top of that and on top of that, it seems like it's never ending. But all of those things, all of those things that are there right now are just things that are more or less a distraction. They, they take away from the things that I wanted. But you know what's so cool? God has already provided so that the things that are breaking right now, we can fix. But if I had gone out and just bought everything I wanted with the money, and it did discourage me, um, I wouldn't have that money to do what God gave me it to be able to use that he knew I was where I was going to need it. So I hope this was an encouragement to you. I, I know this has been one of those uh, topics that have been a complete encouragement to me um, and uh, would love, love to have more discussion about this. And uh, so appreciative that David has um, invited me to be a part of it. Chip, one of the conversations you're talking about having with God, your reply was, what? And so you coming to the end just now, I'm like, what? Well, just waiting to hear, did you find the diamond ring (laughs) that fell out of the ring? Did you... I was just beginning to sit up just now. Why? Because you have, in a way, tickled several other points in uh, in just each of our hearts, I believe, um, in talking about contentment, um, the desire for more. And I think Frank asks a very interesting question here. And of course, I'm privileged enough to know the context uh, behind his question right now when he asks, is it evil or wrong to have the desire? What is the deep problem? Uh, of loving money and it says money drives almost everything and of course this is looking at what logic would mean there are things you cannot we think we cannot have unless we have the money and at what point do I know that my love for money is taking over Um, and I think that's a legit question Frank thank you so much for for asking Um, and I think it's something that we all struggle with but uh, Chip, have you been able to reconcile some of these things knowing that, yes, and I know it's, it's difficult and different for every location. You guys pay for medical insurance, all these house things, taxes and what, and you know that your life literally falls apart uh, without the money. Um, but how have you been able to live by faith, if I can put it that way, where the love of money is not what drives you? Have you found a reconciliation? Uh, with these things, knowing that, yes, and in quotes, that money drives almost everything. Is that even a true statement? Yeah, what I have learned in the last uh, several years is that God does take care of my needs financially. See, God is the one that's in control of the money. I think we forget that, yes, we go out there and do the work, but it's still God who provides it. And God's always made a promise to us. If we are faithful to him, he will be faithful to us. Um, If we ask of him, he will give to us, but not the things we want, the things we need. 
And if you are putting food on your table and, and you're able to have your kids go to school and you have some clothes and, and, uh, and, and you have a roof over your head, um, just because it may not be as grand as the person that's living next to you, it's still, it's still what God provided for you. And it doesn't mean he's not going to provide you more. But when we become focused on the money, when I was a businessman before I went into ministry and, and all I desired was, you know, I'm going to make a lot of money and I'm going to make a lot of money and then I'm going to give that money to God. And then and then I'm going to uh, give it to missionaries. And you know what? The more money I got, the, the less money I gave to God. And it, and it, and it was because... The more successful I got in business, the more I realized that I was making money for me and not and not serving God. And uh, and I'm so glad God stripped me all. I lost my home. I lost my business. I lost everything. Um, Had us completely start over. And I am so thankful he let me start over. And uh, because of that and him taking all those things away from me, I will never go back to being focused on money. I still struggle with it because I feel just like everybody else. Man, I wish I could have this. You know, we don't have a dishwasher right now. That means we're doing it by hand. (laughs) But, hey, at least I can do the dishes by hand. He still has taken care of that need. I just love that you keep. I don't know if you heard me, but when you talked about doing dishes by hand, that's all we know. And so it's interesting um, how you just brought that out very, very clearly. We focus on the money and we forget the one who is in charge of the money. And I, I know in my example, briefly, I mentioned taxes and things like that. When they wanted to pay the taxes, he got the fish and hmm. he cut it. <laughs> and, I mean, he's just, he knows where it is. He, he knows where the money is. And uh, I, I love also Chipson's uh, comment here. He says, money, since it helps us get what we pray for, it kind of replaces God in our minds. But if we stay focused on God, knowing that he is the provider, that we shall see money as an avenue God uses, uh, not an end in itself. And, of course, he can choose to use other means. He can choose to have a friend donate a washing machine for you. Um, I don't know, but it's interesting that we need to focus on the one who controls uh, the resources that we that we want. And again, love him instead of uh, the gift. And may that be a reminder to love the giver and not the gift. Hmm. You can never have enough of the gift because your neighbor has more. And when you lift up your head, you want to compare and so that you can have more. But Chip, thank you. Thank you so much. Really, really appreciate your our time uh, with you. you. You have talked about uh, some very, very, I want to use the word, not in a negative way, but positively piercing, really, especially to the heart uh, of man. Coming to the end of the year, looking back and asking the question, what have I accomplished? Instead of asking the question, what has God accomplished in my life and the people around me? We begin to evaluate. Right now, I know most companies and organizations are doing appraisals and, and they're looking back and, and they're evaluating us based on our efforts. And we forget that God was in control of each and every situation. For the teachers who are here, be encouraged. It may not have been the classroom you knew for the last two years, but if you had a chance, whether in Sunday school or in a Bible study, to impact someone, 
and just sharing a piece of truth with them or walking with someone and praying with them and asking the question, how may I pray for you? Be encouraged that a life was changed. In fact, just to give you an example, this was not part of the program today, but a few days ago, about two days ago, I met a friend who I first met when I went to campus the first night. This guy shows up in my room just greeting the the, the, the freshers uh, that evening and he finds me in my room with a guitar and he teaches me a song, a simple song of love was the title of the song. I learned the song on the guitar. We became friends for a little bit. I did not see him after. And this guy, I met him again. This is after almost 15 years, about two days ago, wanting to join a class for a school that I'm helping to coordinate to do his masters. It was just a beautiful, beautiful reunion in courts. That song, I went ahead and played it for Grace in one of the dates we were having, we were dating then. And she ended up walking down the aisle on that very song because she loved the song. And all this guy did was to spend one hour with me, taught me a song that eventually grew my relationship with Grace. And fast forward, we are married now with three kids and I'm meeting the guy again and it's interesting that all you need is a few minutes with someone to create an impact. And so I pray that we'll see life the way God sees it. I think that guy might have gone home. I'm not sure now. I'm, I'm, I'm just assuming. He could have gone home and maybe thought, ah, all the guys I met were already Christians, hoping he was talking to a non-Christian so he could share the gospel. But he impacted a life 15 years ago. Let me encourage you to reach out to someone and see them the way God sees them, the way God sees them. Not so much how much money do I have, how many things can I accumulate for me, but to serve to serve him and serve him faithfully. Chip, this is one minute past the top of the hour and we are coming to the end of our show, but is there anything else I could have missed, maybe in asking questions that you would like to encourage us with as we come to the end of the show, but also the end of the year? Chip. I think one of the things that uh, I listened to just recently, it was a John Maxwell podcast. And I don't know if uh, many of your audience would have heard a, a podcast from him recently, but he says, uh, and I think this is a great quote, it's something that is really sticking out to me, especially in light of what you just said. Um, he says, learn from the past, but do not live in the past. Always move forward into the future. And I am, that is something I am just, it just is processing through my head over and over and over again. It is important for me to learn from the past, but it's, it's really important for me not to live there and to continue mm-hmm. to move forward. God has big plans for you. I really believe God has big plans for whoever is on this call or whoever is going to listen here in the future. Um, and, and we cannot lose sight of that. Stop thinking about what happened in the past and maybe what you wish you would have done in the past. Learn from it and start living towards the future. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Chip. And I hope God, uh, to be able to have a similar conversation coming next year where you'll be on the show again just to encourage us before we can go to bed. It's been awesome. Let me encourage the listeners to visit cabindivos.com and subscribe on cabindivos.com by leaving your email address. We have some great stuff that we've planned uh, this coming year 2022. If you're going to listen to a podcast before you go to bed, you you can as well grow in your faith. Cabindivos, your number one live podcast. Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, 9 p.m. East African time.